I make the time to read books, period. And I committed during COVID, had a lot of business changes, but to covering a book per week. So I read a book a week. And a lot of people think that's crazy, but it's not really crazy because that's one of my most prized values is reading. So I, I make the time in the morning is where I do a chunk of my time when everyone's sleeping, but also at night after the kids go to bed. If I haven't read 50 pages that day, then I got to get to that 50 page mark and that's where it's done. It's not very hard. I spend a lot less time on social media. I don't watch football a lot. I watch a lot less Netflix and Prime than I'd like, but I believe I'm a much better everything because of reading these books. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Charlie the Spaniard Brenneman. I've had tons of amazing guests on this show, well over 100 now, billionaires, astronauts, professional athletes, world-renowned entrepreneurs, and they've shared their insider secrets for success. They've offered everything from top book recommendations to success hacks to action items that you can use today to see results immediately. If you're like me, you love this kind of stuff, and if you're like me, you want to get the cliff notes, or I guess these days they call them the spark notes. Well, you can get access to the action plans from your favorite guests like Spartan Race founder Joe DeSena from episode 27 or Navy SEAL Mark Devine from episode 45 or maybe fitness guru Tony Horton from episode 85 plus other amazing tips and tactics to help you get clear on how to get from where you're at to where you want to be. I put all this in one place because you're busy and you want to get what you need quickly so you can move on with your day. Here's what I want you to do. Go to jimharshawjr.com slash action to get instant access to everything I just talked about. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, there are three dots on your screen. Just touch the three dots, select view full description. There you'll see the link to download all the incredible resources and action plans that I just mentioned. Now for today's guest, Charlie the Spaniard Brenneman. And you may have heard his name before because he is the first ever three-peat on the Success Through Failure podcast. And why am I bringing him on again? Well, he's one of my favorite people in the world. He's tough. He's disciplined. He's smart. He happens to be kind of funny. Uh, he's a former UFC fighter. He was a college wrestler. Uh, he was ranked as high as seventh in the world as a fighter, MMA fighter. He's a guy who reads a book a week, and he's just an interesting guy. Uh, he's always working. He's always learning. He's always growing, and he is dealing with the same challenges that you and I are dealing with, and he's so open and so sharing and so authentic in how he you know, shares with us how he he deals with these things. So we talk about that. So a little bit of bio and background on him. Uh, having fought the scariest men on earth, taught junior and senior high Spanish. He's won a reality TV show on national television, and he's read incessantly for years. UFC veteran, speaker, and author, Charlie the Spaniard Brenneman. Yes, he's written two books. He calls upon his myriad personal and professional experiences and knowledge to inspire you, challenge you, and make you believe. This guy has been knocked out cold on live television and lived out his own Rocky story in front of a million people. Now through his keynotes and workshops and his books, he teaches you what it takes to compete and win at the highest level. So let's get to my interview with Charlie the Spaniard Brenneman. Charlie, welcome back to the show, Spaniard. 
Thanks for having me, Jim. It's always a pleasure, my friend. What's new in your world? So the longtime listeners, I should say, have heard you before. They're probably not even listening because like those first two interviews were so bad. Why would I put myself through yet another conversation? But for those who may have accidentally, maybe they turned this episode on or just rolled into this episode and they can't get to their phone right now to turn it off. What, uh, what have you been up to? How are things? Well, first, I want to say, Jim, you know, I've been there too. I released my interviews on Thursday. It becomes Tuesday evening and maybe Wednesday morning. I think to myself, oh, crap, I don't have a guest. Who could I use? Ugh, Jim, I know he's disposable. He's got nothing to do. He's not busy. He's not working. Nobody's listened to him. Oh, I guess I got to call him and have him on my show. So I know, man, and I'm that guy for you. It's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, the, uh, right. Sometimes you got to go to the bottom of the barrel. Just got to go, man. It's all right. We're honest with each other. But in terms of, of what I've been up to, I think we'll get into the specs of it, but just freaking figuring out how to move forward amidst COVID and keeping my own emotions outside of business, keep my own emotions in check, my own sanity, my own mental wellness in check. And then also aside from that, doing that again, except related to business, like, hmm, how do I actually move forward? So all the while I'm taking a break right now because my wife is on lunch break and I'm on uh, dad virtual school day duty today. So that's why we're doing the interview at 11 because I have from 11 to 12 amidst all of that, man. So it's a lot. What's been hardest for you personally and or professionally? You know, I hit a spot like you're mentioning some books and I think everyone should read and, and I don't, know that this would be and everyone should read, but the book I read was Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. So I got to a point probably October now, beginning midsummer, where I hit a point where probably was the, I'll say worst, but by worst, I mean most stressed, most anxious, most frustrated, most ornery, most whatever, probably that I've ever been. And I think it was because of my emotions regarding business, right? Because I was trying to make traction, especially with speaking. I was starting to make traction and then the spring hit and I had six to seven gigs in April and May that were canceled. And then it, it just like hit me. And then finances essentially stopped coming in because you're not speaking anywhere. And then the idea that large group gatherings quite possibly might not happen for a very, very, very long time. And it put me in a spot where it just, it was overwhelming. And then added to that, the stress, if, if you have kids, you know, I know, I know you have kids, but if a listener has kids, you, you understand that I love my kids more than anything, but having everyone in the house 24 hours a day, every day, it gets kind of hard to deal with. And so that was on top of it. And then all of these other things that we'll talk about, you know, revamping my website, starting an, an online school, learning the mechanics of all of that, going through Facebook ads with a variety of different people, uh, revamping my show. All of that stuff, there's such a huge learning curve to learn the things that you and I do. I start a new software, uh, marketing software program, learning the logistics and the nuts and bolts of all that stuff while being downstairs in my office, hearing stresses run high upstairs, thinking and feeling guilty. I should be up there. I shouldn't be here, but I have to be here because I have to find a way to make a living. It's just, it all compounded to make me think this is not good. And then I realized, it's a long-winded answer, but then I realized, wow, social media is really making this worse. It is really not helping me at all because I'm only feeling worse about my situation by seeing the gold of everyone else's situation, like the people who are you know, posting whatever, whatever online, the good, the great, the awesome, this great, yeah, rah. And it was just making me feel worse. 
And I got to point that book, Digital Minimalism, changed my social media life. And I would say my life because it really made me take a look at the values in my life, what I value, how I use social media, how it is, was a crutch to me. And I studied the book. I talked about it on my show. I created a course on it on Spaniard School and, and it changed my mentality with social media, which then had a trick, positive trickle effect on everything else. So for the listeners, if you're interested, I just interviewed Cal Newport, episode 268, the author of Digital Minimalism. And it's a fantastic conversation that we had. I read his first book, Deep Work, which is about basically shutting off the outside world and not using technology or social media and, and other, you know, eliminating distractions so you can get to your highest value work. Like your highest value work isn't returning emails or posting on Twitter. It's typically something else that requires deep focus and deep work. Just a really cool conversation with a guy who's written a ton of books. He's not on social. He's an influencer, but he's not on social media. I mean, go figure that one out. I've tried to get a hold of him. I'm going to reach out to you for, for that contact because it, it's like MIA. Crazy how the connection happened. A prospect, prospective coaching client who I've had a couple of conversations with, you know, we had emailed back and forth for a while and uh, he said, oh, by the way, I'm connected with Cal Newport. And so we got connected. It was anyway, just a great conversation. I mean, it's funny how these things happen. It's how I've gotten, you know, Ken Blanchard on the show and, and some other, you know, pretty high profile people. It's like you stumble into this, some of these conversations and I know you've had the same thing happen to you, but man, turning off right today, actually one of the, one of my things I wrote down in my five minute journal today is no social media. And I wrote it down. I was like, Whoa, okay. You're not even going to open like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And I was like, oh man, do I really want to do that? And then like wrestled with it for a moment. I'm like, yeah, of course you want to do it. Now, several times today I've wanted to hit the Twitter app or, or any of the social media apps on my phone. And, and I just haven't, I haven't done it. And I just think about like the time and bandwidth that you get. Sometimes it's just, even if you just don't do anything, it's okay to not do anything instead of looking and scrolling through Twitter. You can just do nothing and be bored or just kind of be in the moment or think about, okay, what do I need to be planning for or preparing for so I'm not reacting later in the day? It's totally a time suck. But here's the thing that Cal Newport talks about, and you you know, in having read Digital Minimalism, it's not about not using technology. It's about having technology work for you so that you work more effectively and more efficiently. I mean, he loves technology. He's all in. I mean, he's he's not some hermit that doesn't you know know how to turn on a computer. He very much leverages technology, but he's aware of it and he's conscious of it. And he uses it in a way that enriches his life and helps him create the best work that he can put out into the world. So I'm, I'm on this recent kick. It stems from digital minimalism because in that book, he talks about value. So, you know, family is my value, right? So the step-by-step -step process is, okay, is how I'm using social media or technology is how I'm using technology the best way to support that value, right? So I'm scrolling through Twitter, looking at dumb memes, right? Is this the best way to support my value of my family? No. Okay. So then why are you doing it? And at the end of the day, it's up to you, right? But sure. then he goes a step further and says, technology or not, is this the best way to support my value of family? So then it becomes like, okay, am I using my phone the best way possible? But then it's, Am I using my time the best way possible? Forget the phone. It, it, am I better off? You know, if I'm far away and I'm FaceTiming with my family, yes, that's the best way. But otherwise, and it starts to like really make you 
operate and this sounds romantic and grandiose, but it's not, it's very practical. It starts, it starts to shift into other ways of your life. Like, am I using my best time to support this value of mine? So I'll give you a, for example, I don't value a well-cut lawn, right? I have an acre on my ground. I don't care about it. I really don't care about it. It's not important to me. It's more important to my wife. So I value my relationship with my wife. So the grass gets cut by way of like a secondary, you know, value there. But you start thinking of, okay, what do I really value? I personally, and I hear a lot of people say, I don't make my bed and I don't really care about a clean car, All right? You could point and say, well, that's indicative of, well, guess what? There's 10,000 other things that I value that are disciplined and clean and ready, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a personal thing and it's a value thing, but it starts to make you operate to the point, ideally, aspirationally, where your actions are supporting your values, period. And that's the life you live. And that to me is like, that's the end goal. Yeah. And I always tell my clients, like when you say yes to one thing, you're inherently saying no to something else. It's about how do you spend your time? Like if you're spending your time cutting your grass and doing it in the diagonal shape so that it has that cool checkerboard look, cool. No problem with that. It just, you know, saying yes to that inherently means you're saying no to, I don't know, however else you could spend that time. Maybe it's with your family. uh, Maybe it's you know, sitting down with your kids or, or reading a book or whatever the case might be. It just, it's a choice. Like if you want to sit down and watch an NFL game on Sunday and spend three hours doing that, like it's okay to do it. Just be aware that you're, you're making a choice. You can't then say, well, I didn't have time to work out today. You just made a choice. Yeah. And, or only spend your time watching the football games. Cause then it's like, where are you going? Like the, Oh, I had a great example. Oh, the things that I do value, you know, so I I don't make my bed, you know, my wife makes our bed, but I don't make my bed. I don't care about necessarily cleaning my car, but I'll tell you what, I haven't missed a beat. You change your underwear? Oh my goodness. I I don't really, I actually don't wear underwear, oddly enough. Okay. Um, There you go. All right. They just too many holes and it was like, I'm not buying new ones. And it was, I just looked so I get it. Um, (laughs) I do wear underwear. (laughs) Um, But uh, I'll tell you what, I haven't missed a beat on drinking water every day. I haven't missed a beat on waking up early every day. I haven't missed a beat on uh, reading a book a week, every week, reading every day. Those are the things that I really, truly value. So there is a cost, you know, you say yes to one thing, no to another. Those are the things that I really, 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 really value. And those are the things that I don't miss a beat on ever, ever. And, And that's one of the things about fighting. I think I talked about this with you last time on the show, but it always struck me as odd, you know, fighters operate in camps, meaning you have a fight coming up, you're in training camp. I live by the mentality. I, I know you do too. Cause I got that you get tough by doing tough things. I live by the mentality of there's training season and then there's competing season, right? That's it. Like you're competing or you're training. There's no get fat and happy take off. That's just not how I live. And I never understood how fighters get fat and happy in between fight. It's like, man, you're getting worse. I'm getting better and you're getting worse. And it's just selecting your values. And I think living them all the time. And I think people struggle with that. People struggle with living their values. And I'll say, here's something that comes up in my coaching conversations. I'm curious of your take on this. Some people identify core values and they say, but Jim, like sometimes this core value feels like an aspiration. Like it's something they really value but they are out of alignment with it. So for example, I think, I really think that somebody can value health and wellness, but not actually be physically fit and working out. I believe that in my heart of hearts because 
they're spending their time doing something else or they're distracted or they're stressed out or maybe they don't have the system or the routine or, or whatever it is that they don't have, but they're not living. Like, honestly, like my first value is faith. And I feel like I live out of alignment with that more than I live in alignment with that. But I say it as my, and I state it as my first core value. And it's constantly reminding me to read my devotional every day, go to church every Sunday and pray and, and do these things that I wouldn't do otherwise. So anyway, I'm curious your take on on people who who value something, but maybe they're just, you know, they value reading, but they don't do it as much as they want to. Or maybe yeah. it's education or learning or something. I think I operate the opposite of that. I would say you don't value it. I think your values are dictated by your actions. I think if you do a certain thing, that shows you value it. So it would be the equivalent in my mind of... And it's difficult not to get lost in this slippery slope of telling yourself stories, right? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Like, I'm very aware of that. Like, I genuinely want to take yoga and or hot yoga and or committed stretching, right? Because I, I do feel my body, my neck, especially getting tighter as I get older. Oddly enough, because I don't roll and grapple and fight, you know, because I'm, I'm not being bent and contorted in all these positions. But I have to be honest with myself and say, Charlie, if you really and truly wanted to do it, you would do it. So it is not of value to you right now. You don't see the value in it. So whether whether you take my approach and you know have the two check boxes being value, don't value, or whether you take your approach of I value, but it's not really a priority. It's a ranking system, really. It, it's it's simply a, a ranking system of your priorities in life. And whether you want to call that a value or a not value or a value, but don't act on that value, it's kind of semantics. But at the end of the day, it's like the proof is in the pudding. I obviously value training and fitness because I do it all the time. I obviously value drinking water. I obviously value family. I obviously value reading. I don't so much value a clean yard. And it's a semantics of how you look at it. But at the end of the day, it's being honest with yourself and not telling yourself stories of, no, no, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get in shape. No, you're not. I was just thinking of a person today that I thought, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. And then I thought to myself, I know how so-and-so is doing. It's been six months since we've talked, but I know that they're going to say, oh, I'm going to get ready to start working out here soon. And I know they're not, right? <laughs> yeah. It's tough to not get caught in that circle of telling yourself stuff. And I think a lot of people struggle, and this is where my coaching comes in, is they don't connect the thing that they value to something else that they value. So health and wellness, I'm like, ah, some people might be like, ah, I don't care if I have a beach body, but you go, wait a second, you're a parent or you're a grandparent. And don't you want to be around for a long time? And, and you know, there's other, other ways to look at it being healthy and, and well. And once they make that connection, then they go, ah, okay. Now I'm looking at that from a different perspective. And when you connect that, they start taking action. They start following up on it. And another thing also, another, cause all of this, I'm reading uh, several books about resilience that I'm talking about on my show, but all of this is simply how you think of things, right? Think of a therapist. You go to a therapist. Well, a therapist didn't create like a new thing. They merely listened and then reframed it to you in a different way. You know, mm -hmm. the idea of you want to be around for, you know, your parent or your grandkids, et cetera, et cetera. Long-term thinking might not be practical enough. it might not be here and now enough. Like we all know that the earth is being abused and pollution. And we all know these bad, the rainforests are being cut down, tribes and peoples are being erased and culture, but a lot of us aren't doing anything about it. I think the here and now, because it's so far off and intangible, but the here and now of literally, I was playing recently wiffle ball with my son and 
I was bending down to pick up the balls and I had just done a 300 burpee workout the day before. And I was like, Oh God, every time I was bending down. So I had to ask myself, Hey, what's more important to you doing a 300 burpee workout or being able to play wiffle ball with Rocky and not having to be in pain the whole time. And it was like wiffle ball one out. So if that choice <laughs> comes to fruition, the 300 purpose are going to lose because my priorities and my values are that way now in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great perspective. Great way to look at it. So you mentioned reading, like you read probably more than anybody else I know. How is it that you are still so dumb? <laughs> Turn me for a loop on that one, Jim. I actually, yeah, yeah, I'll, I I'll throw myself. <laughs> I'll throw myself under that. the table here. I was what? This is embarrassing. This is very embarrassing. But anyway, I was watching. Uh, I was actually watching the debate the other night. Couldn't stay tuned into it the whole time because literally give me a headache. It was ridiculous. And they kept calling Biden vice president, and I was like, Amanda, my wife, why are they calling him vice president? And she was like, because he was the vice president. I was like, who to who? And she was like, Obama. I was like, oh, wait a minute. He was. It didn't even occur to me. Right. And then last night, then I was telling her I'm reading a book about uh, it's called an astronaut's guide to life on earth. Tremendous book. And I'm simultaneously watching the challenger series on Netflix. Uh. Amazing stuff. So I have this newfound like passion for learning about space and space travel, et cetera. And I was telling her this stuff that I'm learning. And then I did say to her, However, consider I'm the same guy who asked what they're calling Biden vice president. So the answer to your question is, I don't know. It gets me also. Yeah. You, you find time to read. By the way, you're reading or just read Endurance. Is that right? Yeah. So that's one of the books on resilience. So I read Endurance. I read Dan Crenshaw's Fortitude. And I read Ross Edgeley's The Art of Resilience. And it just so happened that these all kind of came back to back to back. So I'll have a period on my show where I talk about resilience and fortitude, really, mental toughness. The story of endurance for the listener, this is maybe the best book or certainly one of the best books I've ever read. I mean, it was so good. I mean, these guys, I mean, the 27 men, it was, it was uh, Shackleton and 27 men set off for the South Pole in 1914. They were going to sail to Antarctica and then walk, go on foot to the South Pole. And they got stopped about a day's sail short. They got frozen into the ice and their boat got crushed. And eventually, you know, a handful of them set out in a lifeboat across 850 miles of some of the worst, most dangerous ocean in the world and found this little tiny island in the middle of, you know, the needle in a haystack. And anyway, 27 men, none of them died. Absolutely incredible story. Yeah. So when I cover these books, every book I cover, so I spend five days per book on my show talking about a book and it's not always a book summary. It might be like heavily loaded to the first quarter of it, but each book kind of reveals itself in a way that I tell its story. And with Shackleton, I, I feel like I'm going to talk about his leadership. I'm going to talk about the resilience, but I'm going to talk about his leadership and I'm going to talk about the kind of like world they created within their reality. Right. So they would almost, it was as if you could ask yourself, wait, are these guys at camp? Like, are these teenagers at camp? You know, some of the games they would play, the role plays, the dinner parties, the not would you rather, but some of the questions of if you could eat anything right now, what would you eat? Like, I'm on top of that aspect of it too, because that's the stuff that really kept them going. You know, aside from the tactical skills of survival, 
It was the camaraderie. It was the subtle nuances of leadership that Shackleton had, the way he talked to the men, the way he removed certain elements from the situation, the guys that he took with him on that the lifeboat, the six of them. He picked the specific people because they were kind of thorns in the side of the group and he wanted to remove them from the group. So it's it's an awesome book. But you know, I find the time to read books. I make the time to read books, period. You know, and, and I committed during COVID, had a lot of business changes, but to covering a book per week. So I read a book a week. And I mean, I'm, a lot of people think that's crazy, but it's not really crazy because that's one of my most prized values is reading. So I, I make the time in the morning is where I do a chunk of my time when everyone's sleeping, but also at night after the kids go to bed. If I haven't read 50 pages that day, then I got to get to that 50 page mark and that's where it's done. It's not very hard. I spend a lot less time on social media. I don't watch football a lot. I watch a lot less Netflix and Prime than I'd like, but I believe you know, from a business perspective, I mean, you, among other smart business people have said to me, spend the most time, the highest ticket, right? The highest ticket, like where are you going to make the most money? What's going to push your business forward? And I'm always caught because I spend at least two hours a day on my show, show related activities, and that generates the least income. So it's more of a compulsion or a belief in the value of it that drives me. And it is professional, but it's also personal because I'm a much better everything because of reading these books. Yeah. You know, Ryan Holiday, who the listeners may have heard of, he wrote Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, Stillness is the Key, and a bunch of other great books. But the way he, and he's a voracious reader as well. And the way he described it was he goes, People ask me how much, you know, how do I find the time to read? He goes, You know, it's just what I do. He goes, People don't ask me, and you wouldn't ask yourself, Well, how do you find time to eat? Or, you know, how do you find time to sleep? People don't ask that. How do you find time to watch TV? People don't ask that. But it's the same thing for him. He's like, I just, and I heard you say something similar. Like, you just carry a book with you everywhere you go. And any chance you have to read your book, you just you just crack open the page and, and you start reading. And it's such a long-term play. It's the same as exercise. It's such a long-term game. Like, it's taken me years and 1,100 plus episodes of these daily, which is because of you that I started doing in the first place. But yeah, sorry about that. 1100 days. And I'm like, holy crap, I've learned a lot. And anything that I riff or any reference, it's a gradual burn. But I just believe in that gradual burn so much that I want everyone to feel it. And that's why I produce the show. Yeah. Yeah. And for the listener, I definitely recommend checking it out. And we'll have links to Charlie's show, his website, et cetera, and the action plan. Just go to jimharshowjr.com slash action and you can get the links right there. But we'll give Charlie a chance to let you know what all that's, uh, you know, with links and everything else there before we wrap up here as well. Charlie, you have one of the quotes on your website is this, it's disciplined learning gives you a better life. Disciplined learning gives you a better life. What do you mean by that? I mean, just that. So I specifically use the word discipline because I'm a wrestler and I'm a fighter and, and I live a disciplined life. And I think disciplined and you and I years ago flirted with the term systematic learning, right? So, but it's to imply, disciplined is to imply that this is a system. This is a part of my life, just like fitness. This is a habit in my life, you know, drinking water and exercise and family and learning is it's disciplined. It's in my life. It's consistent. It's not touch and go. It gives you a better life. You know, one of the things that you and I have traded back and forth is like, what's my niche or what's my ultimate message? And, and that's my message. My message is committing yourself to learning in a disciplined way will give you a better life. Well, how? Okay, I'll tell you how. Five Love Languages has made me a better husband. 
a more serving husband. Okay, that's one way it's going to give you a better life. Uh, Ross Edgley's book, The World's Fittest Book, has positively impacted my training. It's made me healthier and, and more fit. Shackleton's book, Endurance, has taught me a lot about leadership. It's taught me a lot about interacting with people, both from, uh, I don't have employees per se, but communication with people. It's made me a better person. Scott Adams' book, The Creative Dilbert, Loser Think, it's taught me that there's different ways of thinking. And when I'm communicating with different genres of people, I should communicate in a different way. So Success Principles, Jack Canfield's book, Success Principles, has taught me, there's 72, I think, principles. The one I come back to act as if, I come back to take 100% responsibility for your life, I come back to lean into it. That's how it gives you a better life. And I get it that people don't want to take the time to do it themselves. And that's partially why I create the show. So I can kind of tease you a little bit or at least make your life a little bit better by talking about these books. But at the end of the day, it's on you. It's not on me. And you have to really commit to it. What would you recommend in terms of, I'll give you a few categories of books. Can you give us like one or two recommendations? So parenting, maybe you already said it, five love languages. Yeah, you know, Five Love Languages, to me, it's a marriage book, a relationship book. Not all parents are in that relationship or the, that relationship, but it also just not self-centered. As an athlete, as a professional athlete, it's very self-centered. Everything revolved around me, everything. Five Love Languages for me, really, I mean, I do the dishes a lot more because of the Five Love Languages, like <laughs> completely honestly. Acts of service is her love language. Yeah, and it, it, I get it now. So that whether you're in a relationship or not, that's a book that will help you interact better with other people. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to throw a recommendation in there too for the listeners, how to talk so your kids will listen and listen so your kids will talk. Phenomenal book. This is stuff that kind of comes a little more naturally to my wife, Allie. She's just wired like that and she's smarter than me as well. But it's a great book for any parents, but this is like, it's how to deal with people. So anyway, I'll recommend that one. How about Entrepreneurs, Charlie, any recommendations for entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs. So I'm, I'm going to give a relatively, maybe common one, but Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Yeah. Tremendous, right? Another golden nugget out there. It's called Short Nights of the Shadow Catcher. Hmm. It's a Native American book. It's about a guy named Edward Curtis who came from humble beginnings, took over responsibilities for his family at a young age, moved to the West Coast, Washington, photographed Chief Seattle's lone relative, his daughter. And that set him on a path to chronicle Native American culture, history, language, every aspect of their lives North in North America before they became lost, before all of that became lost. He set out on this journey. I have chills thinking about it. It is absolutely incredible. Obviously, if you have a taste for Native American books, that's going to really help you love this book. Unbelievable. Because as an entrepreneur, as you tell yourself like, oh, this is so hard. I can't. Why? Reading books like both of those books help push you forward. They help paint the picture of how it really is. I mean, this guy became friends with Theodore Roosevelt, got loans from uh, J.P. Morgan, rubbing elbows with the, the most famous, successful people pretty much in the world, all the while traveling across the country, chronicling unbelievable book, Short Nights of the Shadow Country. All right. Add that one to the, uh, to the list. And by the way, again, this will be in the action plan for the listeners. 
All right. What about coaches? Anybody who's a sports coach, I don't care if they're a parent coaching their kids like little league team or if they're a coach at any other level, any one or two books. Jocko's kids books popped into my head. Jocko willing, by the way, for the listener. Yeah. The warrior kid books. They're more so in relation to maybe parenting. I'll say sports specifically books about athletes. I know that reading Tiger Woods's book, and he's not necessarily the best. I mean, there's redemption involved in it. It's a really complex story. And maybe this is for older athletes or for coaches of older athletes. But I think his book, it puts you in a spot where you're really forced to ask yourself, all right, what do I want? What's important to me in terms of competition, in terms of sports? How much of myself do I want to invest in it? And then here's the cost of the choices that you might make. I propose books in terms of like conversation that they can create, you know, so as a coach, you want to be able to point to references of past athletes and the goods and the bads that they chose. And I think Tiger Woods shows a great picture of to be the best in the world. This is a way you can go about it and the potential hazards of those choices, but then also kind of some redemption, whether you agree fully or not with his story in how he lives today. Yeah. Great. Love that recommendation. How about for anybody else? Every human being should read this book or these couple of books. Any ones pop into your mind? Well, I enjoy these books like Endurance. I have one over on my shelf called The Worst Hard Time. It's from the same author of uh, The Short Nights book. It's about the, the dust storm. A book, I'm going to give you a final answer here in a minute, but a book like The Boys in the Boat. All these books, I have big goals and dreams and it's hard to keep going, right? It's hard to keep going. But when I read a book like Endurance, and I understand like, no, 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 these guys were actually freezing cold in the Antarctic. And I'm just complaining because it's 60 degrees in my basement, right? Like it could be worse. So I like to read books that kind of set me straight. And I think a, a universal book that it's a, a short read, not necessarily an easy read because of content matter, but Man's Search for Meaning, I think is a great book that every adult should read because it paints a, a picture of history, but also of hardships and atrocities builds empathy. It instills, you know, what's truly important in life, in people, when you hit hard times, how to keep going. And that is Victor Frankl's story of surviving the Holocaust. Do you think these books help individuals, you help all of us, can help us be more resilient and deal with failure when you're learning about either other people's failures or their successes or what would help them get to become successful? I mean, do you feel like this is relevant for creating success through failure. That's why I read them. That's why, because I have, I personally, you know, I finished fighting at the end of 2014. It's now 2020 and uh, I'm still fighting on a daily basis to build my business. And I could not read these books and probably still keep going, but it's almost like they're a life vest to me. It, it's like, I'd be doing myself a disservice by not reading these books because I am a guy like you who has big dreams. I want to impact people positively. I want to create a big difference in the world, legitimately in the world. And these books, it, it's such a wealth of knowledge and experience and all of this stuff that I truly believe it's a disservice to me to not read these books. And I would feel it's a disservice to you if I didn't talk about these books. So it's like a double boom, boom that I get. So yeah, they help in every aspect. Spaniard, where can people find you, follow you, learn more about the Spaniard School, buy your books, et cetera? Yeah. So Charlie is my first name. Spaniard is my nickname. So my website is Charlie Spaniard. A lot of good business-wise has come out of 
being totally kicked in the teeth from COVID, but my website is totally redone, charliespaniard.com. I revamped the show and then I cover a book a week. So if you're vibing with what Jim and I are talking about, I, I cover a book a week on the show. I bring these books to life, add personal experience, insight, inspiration, know-how. That's a Spaniard show on iTunes. And then I just started the Spaniard School, which is online learning. And I'm, I'm directing it toward kids. I'm directing it toward developing social and emotional skills, decision-making, goal-setting, self-awareness, respect, empathy, all these social and emotional skills that help us be better people. And it's funny, Jim, because I'm creating the school at its base for kids. But as when I read these books, kids' books and grown-up books, I mean, there's a kid in every one of us. And we all remember those times and how difficult it was. So these courses and classes, I'm speaking to kids who need to hear the right things, but I know I get value out of it just as much as they do. So I, I encourage you, if you're a parent, if you're a coach, a teacher, an educator, check it out. It'll certainly benefit your youth to develop these skills. Anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts are front and center in young people's lives now. And I developed a school to help combat that and you know, a byproduct of that is it's helping me and it will help you be a better person as well. I just bought the Spaniard class. You did? Yeah, I bought the high school. Yeah, how to kick high school's butt. Yeah, I bought the high school course from me. Yeah, how to kick high school's butt. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with him and then, uh, and then learning from it as well. I'm curious to get your feedback from it, but all those links are at charliespaniard.com. Excellent. For the listener, charliespaniard.com. He mentioned a lot of resources, a lot of books. We're going to have a list of all of that in the action plan. Go, you can go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. Spaniard, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. You got it, man. I want to throw this out there too. For anyone who's looking for a good book on my website, I totally went all in on the reading list page. So I created these posts on the reading list page where you'll click on it. I'll give my two cents on the book. And then I have listed every podcast episode I did on that book and then a link to Amazon and you'll be helping support the show through affiliate links. But I put a lot of time into it. So please utilize that. Listen to the episodes on the books. Uh, they're categorized. It's one of my favorite aspects of the new site. Is that on charliespaniard.com? Yep. Click on reading list and boom, you're there. Excellent. And we'll have the link directly to the reading list in case you can't remember all this stuff that we're talking about for the listener. We'll have the link directly to charliespanier.com and then also the link directly to that reading list in the action plan. You can go directly there or you can just go to the action plan. So make it easy for everybody. Charlie, thanks, man. Always great talking to you. Yeah, it's been a welcome break in my uh, virtually homeschooling day. So I got to go up and uh, teach my daughter some word work now. Yeah, excellent. I wish I could say the same, but uh, it was uh, it was good seeing you. I got to say that while we're still recording here. Um, <laughs> for the listener, as always, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. Mm -hmm.